0: You are listening to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. Welcome to the Riding Gravel Radio Ranch. I'm Ben, and with me is Guitar Ted. Hey there, Guitar Ted. Hey, how's it going, Ben? Good. It's great to be back for another episode, so I'm excited. All right, listeners, this episode is brought to you again by Pig Trail Gravel Grinder. You can head over to PigTrailGravelGrinder.com, and that is down in Ozark, Arkansas, on September 9th to the 11th. So we appreciate their sponsorship of this episode of. They've have some banner ads over on the website. So if you see those, click on it. Just go there, check it out. Uh, the The scenery, just from the pictures, it. If I didn't have stuff going on already before I found out about this, I'd be there. So go there, check that out. That might be something I head to next year anyway, because I want to get down to that part of the country. But go over to pigtrailgravelgrinder.com, check it out, get signed up, get your information, tell them we sent you, and uh, tell them you appreciate uh, them supporting Ride and Gravel. And that's That's it. That's right. So let's get to this episode. We are going to discuss some gravel worlds, uh, Trans-Iowa V13. Can you believe it's 13 already? Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) And uh, some, I guess, opinions by you, and I'll probably chime in, on how the industry is missing the point with uh, all of the incoming gravel, all-road, adventure, whatever you want to call them, bikes. Yeah. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Sounds great. And listeners, if you do have any questions, uh, you can always just send us an email directly. I'm Ben. At ridinggravel.com and Guitar Ted is Guitar Ted at ridinggravel.com. Also, head over to the website ridinggravel.com and uh, check out a couple of really popular things there. Uh, the events calendar, which is just a constant revolving door of events. Like we're already t- 2017 events are starting to come in and it's just there's a lot. Um, and then the forum. The forum it has become very busy. There's well over 2,000 people that are signed on over there and the discussion is ongoing. So if you're looking for, we get a lot of questions like, Hey, I'm I'm new to this. I'm looking for a bike. There is a thread that is filled with questions like that. So if you're looking for that and you're looking for other people's opinions on, you know, this works, this doesn't, it's, it ranges everything from, Hey, I use my hardtail mountain bike with these tires to, Hey, I spent you know, I budgeted five thousand dollars. and went and spent uh, on some fancy new bike. It, everything in between. So, if you're looking it, to get your answers or your questions answered about what to use, what to do, where to ride, head over to the forum as well. That's, or, if you just want to get more questions, yeah, well, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much that's what it is. If you want more yeah. questions on your questions, yeah. um, If you want to be more confused, but then in that case, if you do want something. Send us an email with the title of the email, podcast, because that's something that we'd like to, we, we have a lot going on. We have a lot of things on our plate, both of us. We do multiple things. Um, and we would like to answer everyone's question with a big written out explanation, but it'd be a lot more fun if we did it on the air. Yeah. So if you have anything that you would like to hear on the air, and that just prompts us to do more of these episodes and you can hear Guitar T- Ted go off on bike discussions like no other, um, send him over and we'll get that. We'll get some more episodes going. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shut up and get out of the way and then just chime in a little bit here. <laughs> I just like to hear you talk about bikes. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But anyhow, so yeah, let's talk about Gravel Worlds because you're going next week, right? Yeah, I'm going
1: to go to Gravel Worlds again. I went last year. Uh, gravel worlds for you that don't know out there maybe, uh, is actually, it's one of the older gravel grinders around it. It morphed out of an event called the good life gravel adventure. Uh, so that, that was happening in the late two thousands down on Lincoln. And there it's put on by the good people that call themselves the pirate cycling league. And it's kind of a tongue in cheek, uh, loosely organized, uh, Group of guys that just like to ride on gravel roads. And um, I've gotten close with a few of them down there, and their genesis for riding gravel actually goes way back to uh, the late 90s, early 2000s, when a bunch of the guys were training for cross country mountain biking, and they would just go out on the weekend and ride 50, 60 miles of gravel roads around Lincoln just to get their training right in, because none of them like, you know, well, I'm sure you know Ben by now that uh roadies and mountain
0: bikers there's been kind of a you're either that or this <laughs> well i'll tell you why uh, i'll tell you what i experienced yesterday riding out here i'm in wisconsin i'm standing my brothers and i went out just country roads and i happened to run into a group riding and i was on a mountain bike and they were not and i waved to every like nine people in this group and i waved because they were kind of spread out i waved to every one of them and the two last, uh there was two women on the back. It was kind of mixed, but the two women on the back were really nice. They're like, hey, how's it going? Every person in front of them, women and men, usually women are nice, and guys are just like, oh, I got to beat everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh yeah, the two last ones were really happy. Everyone else, they didn't even acknowledge me. So
1: they <laughs> yeah, can be well, roadies. I don't
0: want to deal with that. So
1: okay, listeners, before you fire up your email <laughs> machines and start nailing us with, "Hey, we're, we're nice people too." Uh, you know, that's just the, that's just the that's ongoing nice. you well, know, yeah, that's just the ongoing stereotype of roadies. It's been around forever, okay? So the point was that the, the mountain biking dudes down there in Lincoln, they were all about getting their training rides in. They, they didn't have road bikes. So they rode on gravel roads, so they didn't roach their tires, right? You mm-hmm. ride on pavement, you're going to kill your tires, and tires would cost a lot of money for college guys. And so that made sense. So uh, when uh, events like Trans-Iowa and stuff started up, they were like, hey, we've been doing that for a long time. So they started this event called the Good Life Gravel Adventure, and I actually did one of those back in the late 2000s. And then they started Gravel Worlds. I think the first year for Gravel Worlds was 2010, if I remember right. Someone can correct me if I'm wrong. And I I did that event as well. In fact, I've got, well, i got the poster right in front of me. Yeah, 2010. <laughs> I bought one of the limited edition posters that year. Oh, so, cool. yeah, it's right above my desk. Um, So, yeah, so I'm going down there this weekend. And Gravel Worlds is, you know, it started out pretty small. I think the first one only had, I want to say, 110 people at it. I think I think that and they they, they thought that was awesome. And I, and I think now they're up to, I don't know, four or five hundred. So it's kind of a big deal now. And uh, they they in tongue in cheek, they actually have rainbow jerseys that they give the winners. So you get this, you know, it looks like a UCI rainbow jersey kind Sorry. of take knockoff. Yeah, it's really funny. And one year they made them hot pink, which I thought was awesome. <laughs> so if you won Gravel Worlds, you got this hot pink jersey with a rainbow on it. And uh, they always come up with some really cool ideas. This year they're giving out t-shirts and fruit jars and, and all kinds of cool stuff to everybody. It used to be a free event, now you pay for it, but you, you know, they put a lot into it and they give you a lot back. And the people that uh are on the course at the checkpoints and the oases and, and things that they have going on there are really, really awesome people. And it's just a really – if you want to feel what has attracted probably 80% of the people to gravel road events in the Midwest go to gravel worlds, And you'll see it. You'll see it in action. You'll see why people like gravel road events yeah. because they they pretty much embody it to my, to my way of thinking. The people that run gravel worlds, Craig Schmidt and uh, Corey Godfrey and the, and the rest of the crew – they embody what gravel road racing is in the Midwest, and it is, it's a, they're a textbook example. So if you go to gravel world, you know what I mean, and I'll be there next week, and I, I, I'm really excited about it, so it's going to be fun. It's a 150-mile course. It's been about 150 miles, I think, ever, ever since they started it, and I know <laughs> I know a lot of you people out there are going to say, Nebraska, wow, boring. Well, if you get away from I-80, it's actually pretty hilly, and uh, there are gravel down there has got a, kind of a sandy consistency to it, so if you get offline, oh. your tire starts like pizza cutter into that stuff, yeah. and you'll lose your front end, and so you really got to pay attention to what you're doing, and, and the long, grinding hills just kind of wear you down. And of course, it's going to be August 20th, so it's going to be hot and humid down there probably steamy. and windy.
0: If it's like steamy. it is right now, it's going to be steamy. Yeah, we were
1: just talking about that before this before yeah. we recorded. It's just nasty out there yeah. right now. So, yeah, it's going to be.
0: It's always that way down there, though. So you got to expect it if you oh, go. To the absolutely. Yeah. I I remember driving through. This was several years ago, before before we had kids. My wife and I were driving from Colorado back to Wisconsin for a vacation in Northern Wisconsin, and uh, we stopped in. I don't know. It was like ten o'clock at night, somewhere in Nebraska, like middle Nebraska. And got out of the because we hadn't stopped in a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And we got out of the car, air conditioning. Got out of the car, at Nine thirty at night, something like that. Got out, and it's like eighty five degrees and like eighty five percent humidity. And we had to go to we were going to stop and camp and sleep that night. We just kept driving, I think, because it was just like thick, you know. Yeah. So. And you get if you wear glasses and you get out of your car, they
1: instantly fog over. You can't see <laughs> yeah. anything. It's like it's you know you you've been in the air conditioned car and you get out and boom you just got total condensation. So
0: if it is going to be like that, you better hope that you're from the area because if you're from like Colorado and you're not used to that, it is way harder to deal with that than it is elevation change. Yeah, yeah, it's like you think, oh, I'm coming from elevation, I'll be okay because I'm going down to you know sea level basically, and no, because that all that at disadvantage the sweat disadvantage that you have offsets all that. Well, yeah, it's not only that, but you have that what we call
1: the heat index. So, I mean, we get slammed both ways here in the Midwest, and in the winter time, it's colder than the air temperature says because of the wind chill. Yeah, and,
2: and, and the, the, the summertime too.
1: Yeah, and in the, the summertime, it's hotter than the, yeah, the air temperature weird. says because of the humidity. Because I, I was remember, I was telling you before we recorded, I went out for a ride yesterday, and I just baked.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you just you just start burning up. It's yeah. it's really weird. It's like you got a heat lamp on you, and you just can't get away from it.
0: Yeah. In the in the wind at that point is like convection. So yeah. Um, I did the same thing yesterday. You're going 20 miles an hour, it doesn't do anything. Like it doesn't you do hotter. anything. You get hotter yep. as
1: you go. You actually get hotter, yeah. It's, it's anyway, a crazy, also, crazy thing.
0: Yeah, so hopefully it's not going to be like that in like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, you're going to get some element of that probably. But um, the neat thing about... Um, like I, like I said, the culture of it and the feeling of it—it's all there. But they also attract some pretty decent athletes to Gravel Worlds too. Like Re- Rebecca Rush has been there before. Um, Yuri Hoswald's been there before. So I mean, they get some, you know, high-level talent as well, just like Dirty Kansas does. But it's just a totally more down-to-earth kind of an event. So I, I really like it for that stamp from that standpoint. So it's a lot of fun. Uh, they have this very unique thing that they do called oasises. So let me just explain. It's not a checkpoint. They have three checkpoints, which is, that's something that's fairly common in the longer gravel events you go so far and you have to pass through a a checkpoint. And that's usually just like a 10 by 10 pop-up tent alongside the road somewhere where you uh, just have to stop in there and say, Hey, my name is such and such. My number is such and such. And they go, Cool. You know, carry on. We got you down, and so you can
0: keep track and,
1: of you. So you can keep track of you, and and there's certain time okay. elements to getting there. Uh, and it used to be that Gravel Worlds used uh, convenience stores as checkpoints. You had to buy a Nebraska Powerball ticket <laughs> for a buck. <laughs> and then what they did was they, you gave you gave all your Powerball tickets as proof that you passed through these places, which was kind of smart really. And then you, they took all these tickets and put them in a big hat and then they went through them all. And if they won money, they just distributed yeah, it amongst a really good
0: everybody. Idea. That's a yeah. really good
1: idea. Which they never cashed in big though, <laughs> which was too bad. But yeah. anyway, um, they don't do that so much anymore, but they just have these checkpoints. And then they have these things called Oasis. What those are, are um, people that are backers of the Pirate Cycling League or friends or family. Um, they have farms that are on the route, and you can stop in there, and they'll have, like, cold ice water or pickles or, you know, just a couple chairs to sit down under a tree, and they just open up their homes to these racers. So you don't have to stop there, but if you're, like, one of the people in the back of the, of the caravan, you can certainly take advantage of these uh, opportunities to meet the people and talk to them. I remember the first Gravel Worlds I did, I met these um, the Rhine courts and they, they may very well be doing an, an oasis this year. Wonderful people that I met um, at the 2010 Gravel Worlds. I think I spent an hour and a half talking to them. Uh, I, I finally went, oh yeah, I'm in a race. I better get out of here. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy, but uh, but they, they have that as well, and it's a very unique facet to gravel roads that i think is just kind of a, a neat aside that they did that they allow people to want to do that to do that so it's very 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 unique event but it's very indicative of i think of all the other smaller gravel events around the midwest that um you know are grassroots based and they still have that big feel
0: of that so i enjoy it yeah it's yep. funny when you it's like this with everything really is just intention Right, mm-hmm. your intentions show through in what you do. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's clear that they've had good intentions for a long time. Yeah, yep. I think it's funny that they were using the gravel adventure or whatever that initially ten years before. Uh, yeah, now it's the good life this year. Good life, gravel adventure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah way before adventure is like the word of two
1: thousand sixteen. It is, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which we'll get into here in a, in a little bit. But yeah, um. exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Trans Iowa. Yeah. All right. Let's
1: do it again. On? Well, I, you know, every year I, after a transit, what happens, I sit down and I weigh my options on whether I want to actually do another one again. And so I put a lot of thought into it. And uh, there was something I can't say too much because I don't want to give away the course or anything, but uh, there's been an idea for a course that I've had for, oh, probably three, four years at least that I've wanted to try. And I thought, well, you know, first of all, I had to decide if I wanted to do it again, and I and I did. And then I had had the chance to try this chorus idea out, and I said, well, I better get it done because sooner or later I'm not going to do these anymore. So I want to try it. And uh, it actually looks like it's going to work out. It's a completely different chorus uh, than anything I've ever done before.
0: Cross state?
1: Uh, no, we've wow. done that before. <laughs> We did that at the just beginning. Ch- oh, okay. I'm just trying to get people <laughs> hyped up for something. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's really unique, and I think it's going to be, when once people uh, realize what it is, uh, they'll think that's pretty cool. It's um, going to be in
0: Minnesota instead of Iowa.
1: There you go. <laughs> One year, we actually got uh, within about 25 miles of Missouri, though. So. Oh, that's cool. It, we got pretty close yeah, to that. Yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like so, the Tour Tour de France when uh, they go to different countries. You know, they'll go to, like, Spain or... Yeah, start in a different country. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: or venture into another yeah, country for a while. Yeah, no, we can't try to keep it in Iowa. So, uh, but uh, that was the that was the big motivator for me was this new course idea that uh, I sat down and did some mapping several weeks ago, and it looked like mileage wise it was going to work out. So I I pushed the go button and and put the you know the machine in motion again. I Announced it today on my blog that we're going to do it. So. um We'll probably have, this is some new stuff that hasn't been said yet, but we're probably going to have another lottery for the rookies because there's just so many people that want to get into it. Then I only have uh, 40 spots available for rookies. So uh, we'll do it like we did last year. We'll have everybody send in a card. I'll announce when that's going to happen. And then we're going to put all those cards into a basket and then probably live periscope that on On uh, the internet, like we did last year, a lot of people seem to like that. I have my kids help me out, and we'll do a drawing again. So, and then the other uh, spots will be there'll be forty spots for people that finished it before, which we have a lot of finishers now because we had forty-seven more last year, (laughs) or last yeah last year. And um, and uh, of course, we have a lot of people that have tried it before and haven't made it, so we'll have forty spots for them too. But I think we'll still just do it the old-fashioned way of sending in a postcard them. But uh, yeah, so all that'll all get announced when I'll do a registration. I usually don't do that until late October, early November. So it's going to be a while before that gets announced. But we're going to be out doing recon soon and got my crew lined up to help me out with that. And so we'll be hitting the roads and, and uh, seeing what's what out there. So I'm pretty excited about it. I already have a sponsor for this year. It's going to be wilderness trail bike, so it's, I'm proud to announce that they're going to jump in on it again. Um, last year and the year before, they were big sponsors of ours. Um, I can't really say exactly what they're going to do, but it kind of sounds like they're going to do what they did last year. So if you are aware of that, then um, it sounds like that's the idea they want to do again is give everybody a set of tires yeah. with what, what that's going to be. I don't know, but everybody that finishes, I should say. Yeah. So, yeah. So they, uh, you know, last year we had, uh, last spring we had 47 people finish. And I was like, uh Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, you a think about a pair, a pair of tires is a lot of money. Right. And they mailed tires there because they sent me you Know a, a set amount of tires is obviously I have no idea how many people are going to finish, right? I said, Well, you know, I said, so they said, well, How many should we send? And I said, Well, you know, average amount of finishers is right around 20, so send me 20 sets. So that's what they did. Well, we had twice that many, over <laughs> twice that many people finish. And I'm sitting there going, Oh my god, you know,
0: yeah,
1: they're, they're never going like to yeah. <laughs> come back, yeah, they're never going to come back because we cost them so much money, you know. Right. Uh, but they were more than happy to. Jump on the bandwagon again. So kudos to WTB if you're listening to this out there and you like Trans Iowa. Make sure you send them a that, little bit of love for that, that. that.
0: Such for money wise though, that is such good advertising. Yeah, I mean, that, that carries. If if I were to get a tire and I liked it, which I'm assuming they would, just from I've really ridden much like gravel on any of those. Actually, I haven't yet i to have to get them from you or someone. <laughs> yeah. But my no. point is like, for a company to do that, that is a ton of goodwill right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a ton. It's yeah. more than as much as I hate to admit it is like paying for some advertising and getting some clicks and stuff. It's just not the same league, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. They, they got, they got a, lot a lot of good people for the book. Yeah, they did.
1: They, I know they did the first year they did it when they used the Nano 40, uh, the introduction of that. And, uh, last year with the Riddler, our last spring with the Riddler, they introduced it there at Trans Iowa, which we were very honored to have that. Um, so, yeah, really, really cool stuff. So um, they actually even sent out one of their guys to ride in Trans Iowa last year, Will uh, Ritchie, and uh, he's planning on coming back again. How so.
0: he do? I forgot to ask. He,
1: he actually dropped out very early in the morning on Sunday. Oh. Uh. Yeah, I was bummed. <laughs> Dang. He did really, really well up until that point. I'm not really sure exactly what his issue was, but yeah. And he was, he, um, it's funny that you bring that up because he was one of the people that at the end of the event, I couldn't account for. It's like, what happened oh, to Will? Okay. And I was kind of, you know, when you're, just to give people out there a, a little bit of background, when you run an event, you're like dad or mom, if you're a gal, mm-hmm. so you, or you're both really. <laughs> so you're like, <laughs> and and you are. And grandparents, yeah. right, so you're like you know you're you're so concerned about every little tiny detail, especially the people in your event, you really, really, really worry about them um, so you know, will, I had no clue what happened to him, so you know, and there was him and a couple other people, and I was running up and down the road looking for folks, and I found some of them and accounted for most people well will what will had done was. He knew, like everybody, that in the event that when you stop, you had to call the DNF line and let, let somebody know that you were dropping out so we could account for you. Well, he called the Trans Iowa Radio Call In on Riding Gravel and thought that was good enough. He thought that was the number. He got mixed oh, up. Oh, so
0: did I post it and say he. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shoot. And I <laughs> forgot to tell you, is what it was.
1: <laughs> so he called into writinggravel.com, which I wasn't even paying attention to. That I was running my event. Right. So, you know, later on, we got it all straightened out between the two of us. But Actually, I think uh, I
0: sent you a message later, too, after you were asking about okay. it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You probably did, and I forgot. But yeah, I knew it gotten accounted for. But, so that was kind of funny that uh, we brought that up tonight. So. Yeah. But, yep, so he's planning on coming back, and we'd be stoked to have him. So, anyway, WTB, really happy to have them on board again. And, um, you know, we'll probably have some more sponsorship announcements coming down the road, but that's a big one right there, so we're really happy about that. Yeah. So,
0: pretty cool. What keeps you doing it?
1: Yeah, somebody um, somebody asked me one day about that, and I wrote it in my blog post today. Actually, you oh, know. Oh, you wrote it today?
0: yeah I wrote it today oh, okay well, I'll clock. share that in the show notes so if anybody wants to read it just click on the show notes
1: right on so um mostly it's the people it's like anybody I think that does anything you know if the people aren't fun to be around and and to experience then what's the point you know um so it's like anything in life if you have good relationships I think it just makes everything a lot better um and the people that come to trans Iowa a lot of them have been coming for you know, eight, nine, 10 years, and I've gotten to know them just from being there that weekend and, and had email exchanges the rest of the year with them and, and really gotten to know a lot of really, really cool people because of Trans-Iowa. So I kind of hate to lose that by stopping, you know, because that will obviously put a damper on that. We'll get to see my Trans-Iowa family every year. And, um, so that's one of the big reasons. The other reason is I just like planning stuff like that i just always have had fun getting the maps out and digging for roads and going out to see what's what out in the country and and that's always been something i've liked and i don't know maybe i'm kind of weird that way but uh, those two things are the main reasons why i keep doing it for sure and that and the feedback i get from the athletes that come and do it so yeah yeah, it's a lot of fun yet still (laughs) So we are
0: for, 20, 15?
1: Well, yeah,
0: you know. 14, 13.
1: (laughs) That's an interesting story, too, because I think it was when we hit Trans-Iowa 5 or 6, somewhere in there, I said, man, how many of these am I going to do? This is crazy. Maybe I'll try to shoot for 10. That seemed like an incredible amount of Trans-Iowas to me. I thought, man, I can make it to 10. I'll be 53 years old. I'm getting too old for that kind of nonsense by then. My kids will be getting older. I'll quit at 10. So I was truly committed and had it firmly in my mind that when Trans-Iowa 10 was over with, I was done. So I can remember we ended at the barn that year out by Grinnell. There was a little barn, restored barn we ended at. And I can remember I was the last person there before I left that day. And I sat there and I just looked at that barn. I said, well, this is it. I'm done. So I shut the door of the truck and drove off. Well, I got so many emails that year. Sarah Cooper was one of my recalls. She wrote a great big long novel to me about how I should keep doing it. And I had so many emails that year because I think people kind of felt like that was the last one. I dropped enough hints. I think that people kind of picked up on it Yeah. and they, and they wanted me to keep going. And I, I only think it only took three days after that one was over and I was going to do another one. <laughs> Because enough people had gotten me uh, swayed to the other side that yeah. I decided to keep doing it. So that's kind of funny. But my, my father, my stepfather says, uh, I've got five more left in me. So I don't know what that, that means. He just, he just came up with that out of the blue. You know, sometimes people <laughs> yeah. talk to you
0: right?
2: Right. and
1: they'll say something. You're like, where did that come from? Right. It was just totally out of the blue one time we were together for Christmas or something. And he looked at me and he goes, so how many, how many trans eyes are you going to do? Just out of the blue. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it for a while. And he goes, I think you got five more left in you. I thought, that's really weird. Why would he say that? And then like six months later, he said the same thing. <laughs> just really strange. So yeah. anyway, I don't know if that means anything or not. Well,
0: so, you will be close to 20. i just well even 20.
1: Yeah, I can always shoot for 20.
0: Yeah, yeah So I'll when be you were old. sitting there at that barn, Yeah, and you're like, all right, this is it. What, what were you thinking? Were you just like, man, I'm really tired? Or were you thinking like, man, this is really sad. Like, I've been doing this and I'm thinking about all that. Did you get did you get sad? Well, you know,
1: I expected that – I actually, to be honest with you, I expected I would sit there and cry, really. I That's what I thought, to be honest with you, completely honest with you. But that Trans-Iowa, any Trans-Iowa that I've done, by that time, I've been up for – 30-something hours. Yeah, <laughs> you know? She's like, so, oh, it's
0: finally done today. Yeah,
1: and and all the things I expected, all the emotions I thought I was, I was going to go through sitting there in my, in my I, I just felt dead. <laughs> Quite literally, I just felt like I was in some kind of weird zone. And I, I, I was very surprised by that, to be honest. So when I got in the truck and drove away, I thought that was really weird. I thought that would be a lot heavier moment than yeah. it was. And it wasn't. It, it, it was like, okay, whatever, I'm done. <laughs> just drive off. And... I was just so far out of it that it just didn't. The gravity of it probably wouldn't have hit me until like later in the year when I was going to be, you know. Usually, I'm planning another trans. I would I wouldn't have been, and then I probably would have got hit by it then. But that the at the moment I thought it was going to hit me, and nothing happened. So kind of kind of interesting. Yeah,
0: I can just see that I've experienced it myself, which I'll get to a second. But I can see it. I mean, we hit right put on the Fat Bike Frozen forty last year, that was the fifth year. And looking Mm -hmm. ahead, I'm like, well, what's it gonna be? You know, if I get to ten years. I mean, yeah, I do it for money. But at the same time, like it's you put like it's like quitting a job, right? You mean you go there for ten years and like, yeah, you get paid to do it, but then you're you know, say you like your job and you know all the people and you do all this stuff and it's like, oh man. This isn't, this isn't easy. Like I, am leaving yeah. this and I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I had the experience when we moved from Colorado a couple of years ago. Um, by that time I had put on a few, uh, anti epic for a few years. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I started some fall gravel rides, uh, with pedal of Littleton. Actually, I did a couple and then, uh, Andy jumped on and it was a good, it, we had some really good events. Like Andy and I, like he had connections, brought QBP, like salsa goods and all kinds of stuff. Tyler from QBP, it was awesome. We had like, mm-hmm. you know, 100 people, 150 people and all this stuff. It was great each year, all these different rides. And um, the, oh man. So listeners, I'm out in my, uh, not that you really care a lot, but I'm out in my brother's garage. <laughs> I'm traveling, so I'm in like this office, right? But I have the, the garage door open. So if you've been hearing any, uh, crickets or anything, but there's this huge cicada that just crawled in the, the garage door and it's, it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> um, but anyhow, so when I left that last event, we were actually moving a few days later and I was talking to a group of guys and, you know, had some beer and, uh, just hanging out talking to a group of guys and, uh, they left and I just sat there and I was like, holy shit. This is like, I'm leaving. Yeah, and I'm just going to up. I'm going to walk away, and this is not going to happen again here. Yeah. And I I just didn't want to leave. I yeah. sent a text to my wife and said, hey, just give me another half an hour, 45 minutes, because I'm just going to sit here and just – it was really weird. And I, I guess yeah. I didn't go into it like you were anticipating um, those thoughts and stuff, and it mm-hmm. just hit me. Like, this is uh, – yeah.
1: Yeah. Like me, I had, I had, uh, I had a cigar and everything. I was going to smoke this cigar and have a drink of whiskey. And I I remember, I didn't even do any of that. I just looked at the barn and was like, Oh, right, I guess that's it. And I drove (laughs) off. It was such a weird thing. I think for me it would have been more like, you know how you, when you were in high school sports and then you graduated from high school and then the next, like, say if you're in football, the next fall came around and you weren't doing two a days. And it's like, wow. I used yeah. to do two days, and you get that smell in there, and you think you start getting nostalgic for you know your old football days or your old baseball days or whatever you did. Yeah, so.
0: mine mine was a little different. We ended the baseball season in the playoffs, and it was school was already done, so it was like, all right, this is it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, nice I little, I so. I imagine it's going to be like that for me, but I don't know yet
0: because I'm not done yet. <laughs> oh yeah, you're like full steam ahead at this point. So I was just yep. curious what you know all those thoughts and things that go into it. Yep. Mm. So, so cool. So, if anybody has any questions, head over to the Trans Iowa blog slash site. I'll put that in the show notes too. So, if anybody yep. is listening to this, they can just click over there and check it. Or out. they can e- they can email me at guitar Ted at
1: writing gravel dot com too and ask me questions. Yeah. you can reach me that way too. That's yeah. cool. Cool.
0: So and in. I was going to announce this in the beginning. I forgot, but if anybody's out there and they we have some questions for advertising, and if you have any questions, there's a you can go to the site, check out out at the top. There's a little click on the advertise. But um, if you have any questions or you want to get in on the like the site, the podcast, whatever, like we have pretty reasonable rates for all the traffic that we get. And uh, so, if you have any questions, send me an email: ben at mount or ben at dot or <laughs> pen at riding Yeah, uh,
1: either one would work. Bro. Yeah, and just ask. So
0: but yep. I wanted to get that in there in the beginning because I try to, like I said, try to answer emails and questions and stuff. It's just, it's much easier to just tell, you know, 3,000 people at once than it is anything else. So, yeah. All right. Right on. So we're going to finish this up with some thoughts on these. Bikes now that they're coming in hot and heavy, and they'll continue to come in hot and heavy with new bikes and mm-hmm. takes on adventure all road. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts that haven't been or that you've written and that you just want to get out there? So, I know you've no, a lot of stuff. So,
1: yeah, I, I don't know if I've really written anything about this. I it's been something that's been percolating in my brain. Oh boy, Here comes uh, the bike
0: cycling hot takes section. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's been percolating in my brain for a while, and I've been kind of mulling this over. But something you said, actually, earlier in the show tonight, uh, I think illustrates my point pretty well, actually. So, um, just to paint a picture, first of all, uh, you know, we we talked about gravel worlds, right? We talked about how it used to be the Good Life Gravel Adventure. We talked about how Trans-Iowa started 13 years ago. Um, You know, things were a lot different back then. It was more grassroots-oriented and... Uh, there wasn't any marketing. There were there weren't any WTB gravel tires. You know, there there weren't any carbon fiber wonder bikes for a gravel road that could fit, uh, you know, six fifty B by two inch wide tires and were aero. You know, there were there was none of that stuff back then. Um. So, but we, we were having a good time and people were going fast and people were having fun and and people were having adventures. You know, we talked about that too. Uh, that word adventure. So um you know now you can't get away from uh any any cycling site without having run into something about somebody's new gravel bike or somebody's new all-road adventure bike uh that's coming out now and you, you're just you know, part of a pr site though <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm on the take man <laughs> i'm i'm so rich always- you make you piss yeah. somebody off huh i know it.
0: <laughs> it's like here here's some useful information for you oh, i'm some unsubscribing for your site because you're just a pr machine yeah right, so anyhow <laughs> go ahead yeah.
1: so anyway um yeah you know, it makes me think a lot about how the cycling industry is always trying to latch on to something that's going to recreate the bike boom of the 70s or the the 29er boom of the early 2000s or whatever the case may be. They're, they're looking for that next big thing. Um, you know, for a while, everybody thought it was going to be Enduro 27 Fivers, and then, you know, then it was something else, and now it's plus bikes and blah, blah, blah. So there's, there's a lot of weird stuff getting put out there that when I see it, I just kind of shake my head and go, really, what are these people are are they even in touch with what's going on out there? And so, going back to what you said earlier in the show, you said, um, and this is kind of a loose quotation because I wrote it down real quick when you said it, but you said something about bicycles being used in gravel roads are anywhere from hardtail mountain bikes to carbon fiber rigs for gravel. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and and if you think about that statement for a minute, that's that nails it. That's perfectly uh, in a nutshell what is really going on in the gravel world out there. Do you really need to have that carbon fiber wonder bike? No, but it's out there. You could just show up on your 29 inch mountain bike and probably do pretty well and have fun. If that's your aim, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you can show up on a 26 inch wheeled mountain bike or like we used to have see in trans Iowa, people show up on full suspension, 26 sixers. I you wouldn't know?
0: recommend that. that no, would not but, be I mean, fun. you can but, do it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can do it, you know, sure. and, um, uh, I mean, to me, the the quintessential gravel road bike is a Surly Crosscheck because that's what everybody rode back in the day, mm-hmm. you know. So, and then you still get those um, for so, a
0: really reasonable price. Exactly, <laughs> you
1: know. Uh, and, and you can set them up any way you you yeah. want, you know. Single speed, flat bars. Who cares, you know? So, um, you know, while while some people like to, like you said, you know, you're just a PR machine. You're just trying to pump out the next press release. Um, well, a lot of people don't understand is that I have all along said that any bike can be a gravel bike.
0: It's just that what tool is the best one for the job. And for um, you. Yeah. right and for I, you. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting this discussion all the time and I was getting this discussion with my mom actually yesterday she was arguing the cost of different products. Like some of these are just trying to rip you off. And I said, that's just because you're not a customer and you're not to the point in any of those, let's name it recreation. It was discussion was about uh, some bike stuff and some coolers and some archery stuff. He mm-hmm. said in any of those situations, you wouldn't know the difference between a $500 bike and a $6,000 bike or a $200 compound bowl or a thousand dollar compound bowl or a traditional bowl. You don't, you only know the difference when you get to those certain levels where you need that certain equipment, right? Right. And for most right. people, they're never going to need that, you know, that right. the carbon wonder bike that you're talking about, the 27.5 or the 2.0. They're never going to need it. It's just not. Right. Uh, but for those people that are that level and they're like, man, I've been looking for this and fits the bill, right? It's yeah. Perfect. Right. But for most and- people, like, I'm not going to recommend, hey, go get this fancy bike. Just take what you got. Figure it out and ride a bunch. You say this all the time, but ride a bunch and you'll figure it out what your next yep. bike is going to be.
1: Yeah. And and you know, and then the flip side of that is the the people that just flippantly say without even thinking about it, well, any bike's a gravel bike or any bike's an adventure bike. Well, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, thank you, Mister Obvious. Right. You know that 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 doesn't tell me anything. You know,
0: you're just being negative to be negative yeah. If this. You say well, stuff like that. I can like ride that. gravel, but I can ride gravel roads in my 28, you know, road bike. It's like. Yeah. Well, it's like, no well, yeah. You can.
1: Yeah. You can do anything, you know. Right. You can ride a unicycle if you want to. I don't care. But right. <laughs> that the point is, is that, like you said, Ben, you know, when you start getting serious about a certain activity, let's say you're in a needle point. There are certain needles that are better than that. Yeah.
0: I, it's crazy. You, Everything. really. Yeah. You know, right. I
1: mean. And, and it's just, it's like cooking, you know, heck I go with my wife to the, the the store and I see these pans that cost like 300 bucks. I'm like, seriously, but you know, Hey, if I was really into cooking, I might like that. So who might need it and you would need it at a certain
0: point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So who am I to say, I mean, there's a carbon fiber, aero gravel road bike out there right now. And to me, when I first heard about it, I started laughing. I'm like, but you know what? Maybe it's the the greatest thing since sliced bread for that person. And I started digging into it and I'll, I'll just go ahead and say it. it's it's yeah. by open. Okay. Yep. It's a company called open and it was started by the guy who started Surveilo. and uh, Gerard Vrooman is his name. And he's actually a pretty legitimate guy. I've read some stuff that he wrote. He is all about what gravel road biking is about, yeah. but he just likes these high end machines that are really yep. technical. Yep. Okay. That's great. You know, I can get behind that. You know, a lot of us have preconceived notions about some of these people that uh, are in the industry, like they're on the take or they don't care. You know, and it's completely wrong. You know that, Ben. You've I, met. I lots. know
0: it because most of these people have given up all their ride time and weekends and all this stuff to do it.
1: Yeah. So when so. you get closer to the industry, you see that hey, these people really do care you know, and he, and he's one of these guys that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people like to launch their arrows at Gerard Brumman because he was part of Cervelo and the, the whole roadie thing or whatever, but he's a legitimate guy that, that believes that this adventure cycling thing, this, you know, all road thing is, is, is a cool thing. You know, he really likes it. So what, you know, who am I to say? And then another point, to that is um and this came up the other day someone brought up steve head who uh passed away untimely here a little over a year ago i
0: think it was or i don't know, i can't remember exactly yeah, when I it was. About yeah so um sounds like his not, his wife is kicking ass over there though so oh yeah good. she's got that's, they got some award or something recently so yeah
1: yeah i saw that too that's really cool to see mm-hmm. well anyway um the last time i went to interbike which would have been to 2013 i think it was um I was walking around on the last day I was going to be there, and somebody that I knew in the industry walked up to me and they said, "Hey, guitar Ted, how you doing? Pretty good. Hey, Steve Head's looking for you. What? Who? <laughs> you know? Because at the time I was working for Twenty Nine Inches dot com, we were yeah. all about bikes, twenty yeah. nine inch front wheel mountain bikes, and Steve Head is like the king of arrow, right? He's like all about triathlons and time trials yeah. and." Making wheels a really super arrow and all that, i 'm like he wants to talk to me. What did I do to make him mad right what did I, what did I say to make him mad I, I was like i don 't even want to go see him, you know because i wasn 't in any mood to get railed on by some dude that was all about triathlons and stuff and and i couldn 't imagine why he wanted to talk to me. you know what what in the world would this guy ever want to to talk about with me so i 'd been writing about gravel stuff, and of course, with my trans Iowa and all that stuff. So I walk over there, and there's this weird looking bike in the head booth, and it's a steel uh, frame. It was beautiful, made by um, um, Eric. Oh. Uh, Eric. It oh, was made by Eric peacock. Noren uh, yep. by Pe- Peacock Groove. Yep. Um, brown, beautiful bike, and it had big fat tires on it, and didn't look anything like a tri bike. And, and Steve had standing there, and I said, yeah, I'm supposed to come here to meet Steve. I didn't even know what he looked like, you know? Okay. And so he goes, yeah, it's me, you know? So he, he goes, who are you? And I go, I'm a guitarist. And he goes, oh, yeah, he got really excited, you know? And anyway, anyway, to make a long story short, he told me about his youth and riding gravel roads in Minnesota and that he just really loved that. And this whole arrow thing was just, you know, that was what the company was about, but that really wasn't what he was about.
2: Yeah.
1: He was more about this adventure riding stuff. And this was the bike that he had Eric make. For him, and and he was going to start, you know, kind of pushing in that direction as far as gravel road stuff went. And uh, unfortunately, not too long after that, he passed away, which was kind of a sad thing. But I was so glad I got to meet him that day because, um, getting back to the point, here was a guy that I had preconceived notions about in the industry that I thought would have zero interest in gravel road riding. That was actually totally the opposite. He was all about gravel road riding and adventure. So, you know, when, when we see things, it it taught me a lesson because we, when we see things in the industry, like that open bike or the three T bike, which is basically the same thing from Gerard Vrooman, or we see things like a $5,000 gravel road bike or, or a $500 gravel road bike, you know, we we really need to be careful about all oh, these people are just on the take. Maybe they are, you know, there's a very, there's always that possibility, but there's always the possibility too that they're very true in their intentions. So when I see all this stuff about gravel road, this adventure road, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I keep a healthy skepticism about it, but I also keep a healthy uh, attitude of, about being open-minded about it too. Yeah. So, You know, I think it's probably too much to ask for from the general human population out there, but that's my message. (laughs) I I
0: think that you have some, not to call you old, but you have more experience than others and you've learned the power of the the healthy skepticism, but the ability to sit back. You might have your initial reaction. We all do, right? You have your initial reaction, but you're able to say... All right. Hang on a second. This is my initial reaction. Let's see how it washes out a little bit. Let me think about it. Let's see what other reactions are. Learn from, you know, my own experience. Maybe I get a chance to ride it. Maybe I get this. Yep. You over time and years, and I've learned with kids and wife and all those processes jump in and, and kind of teach you many lessons along the way that force you yep. to do that. Right. Yeah. That's something I've learned over the last, just with having kids the last four years, I've really learned to say, okay, I know the initial reaction to everything, you know, Twitter, Facebook, every possible thing, the initial reaction is always going to be freaking out. I want to know the real deal. Like, let me think about it. Let me see both sides. Let me look from their perspective. Let me stand in their shoes. Then I'll make my decision whether or not this is a, you know, for me or not. And if it's not, Mm -hmm. why isn't it for me? And then if it's, why isn't it for me? Who is it for? Yeah. Right. If I can't answer any of those questions, then they're just, then I come to the conclusion that they're just trying to take money just to jump on it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, there, there are always, there's always going to be a little bit of that out in the world for sure. I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't happen,
0: but I'm saying
1: that the other thing happens a lot more than people think. Yeah. You know, and and I think what you're saying, Ben is if you want to be a radical person, in 2016 and 2017 and beyond be, be a critical thinker because there's not very many people that do it. No, if you want to be a, if you want to be a rebel, that's how to be a rebel. Yeah.
0: You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Right. Is to stop and think about something and be rational and give, because there's not very many of
1: us. There's not not very many people that do it, you know? And so I think if you want to be a subvert, you know,
0: and and a rebel and, and, you know, and a rock and roller, that's how you do it in 2016. (laughs) It's just become so reactionary and every, I mean, everybody, I've seen it more and more. And now I started commenting on Facebook is like, oh, society is this and society is that. And it's like, don't confuse society with a Twitter feed. Yeah. Because in real life, if you sit down and talk to real people, they're not freaking out about a lot of the stuff that people like it's cool to be outraged right that's like the yeah. cool thing is to like be yeah, outraged about something yes. it's like you pick a part, a part an announcer's every word you're going to find something that's stupid right yeah and right, right. nobody's perfect i mean you if know? you pick a part of this podcast you're going to be like man this ben guy is just a you know yeah. fool sometimes saying some of this stuff and that's fine because you know what my job is to have a somewhat interesting take on some of the situations and that that's just the way it is yeah but i just cannot if you are going to be outraged just for the fact of being outraged, like it is cool to be a somebody that sits down and has a patient, critical thinking process about something. Oh yeah, like so, yeah, yeah. Sheesh. <laughs> so, that's our, that. so that's our that's, that's
1: probably that's probably about as high minded as we've ever gotten on well, the right radio range. It,
0: it outrages me to like you know <laughs> no, but so okay, so let me ask you this then: with the the current crop of all these bikes and things coming out, did you ever expect this? Like, did you? Uh Because you're pretty good at checking out and kind of feeling the wave of what's coming. Did you anticipate this? No, not at all. I mean, you know, you go
1: back to, you know, twenty two thousand nine, two thousand ten, somewhere in there. I think I was really hitting the the idea hard that there could be a bike that's better for gravel roads than what we had at that time. And I mean, I got so much crap about that on my blog that it was, it was incredible. There were some people that totally supported that idea, but I got way more pushback. Like, oh, that's ridiculous. You know, just ride a cyclocross bike and be done with it. You go away. You're, you're crazy. And, and, uh, and then it changed and, and, you know, so now you even see the bigger cycling publications saying things I was saying in 2009. You know, and I just read something the other day on, on one of the bigger sites that I was like, yeah, I could have wrote that in 2009. I probably did. Um, so it's, it's kind of nice to see that happen. It validates what I, uh, what I thought, but did I ever think would happen? No. Did I care? No, I didn't yeah, care. Right. I, didn't, I, I didn't care if it ever happened in the, in the industry at large. I just, I was being very, very selfish. I just wanted that bike for me. Yeah because i'll be totally honest i I didn't care if anybody else had it i was actually was going to go ahead and build my own bike yeah. at one point because i thought that was the only way that i was going to get what i wanted uh in fact uh, a good friend of mine and i were going to have a guy up in minnesota build us this very bike uh at one point in time but then it looked like something like that might happen and it did so we that never happened but
0: um, isn't that the secret to doing anything cool is if you have something in mind and you've been looking around for it and you get frustrated cause you can't find it, you just do it. Isn't that how you make cool stuff? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, that's, that's kind of
1: how what happened to 29ers. If you think about it, I mean, the WTB made a tire in 1999 that nobody could put in a bike. There was no <laughs> bike for it. You know, yeah. you think about that. Everything was 26 inch. That was it. And they came out with a 700 C two inch wide tire in 1999. You couldn't put it in any bike that existed at the time. All the bikes that that tire went in were custom made. So there was no major manufacturers. Nothing was happening with that wheel size. So if you really wanted to try that out, you had to go to a custom bike guy and have him weld you up a frame, which kickstarted custom bike building in the rear end back then. And then, uh, Surly came out with the Karate Monkey in 2003, which was basically the first widely available, inexpensive 20 er you could get, and um, really kicked uh, that really kicked the thing into high gear at that point. But anyway, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you want want if you have an idea, that's what the custom design guys are there for. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what that's what they Everybody make their bread butter on.
0: Laughed at the Krampus too.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, totally. What now look at hell is uh, this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is the biggest now, thing huh? ever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's some legitimate. Um, there, there used, That used to be a more legitimate thought than it is now because now I feel bike companies are so quick to jump on an idea yeah, because right. they're afraid it's that they're gonna, it's
0: all following.
1: Yeah. They're going to miss it. They're going to okay. miss it. You know, and I think we said this in a previous show too. Okay. But, you know, is, it, the whole 29er thing really kind of put that ball in the, into play because so many companies held out on it uh, for so long and felt they missed out on the, on the, all the sales they could have made. So like, for instance, there was giant who didn't make it 29 er till 2010. Can you believe that? Crazy, yeah. They didn't make a 29 inch wheel bike till 2010. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so, you know, uh. that's, it's kind of crazy, but now, I mean, heck yes. You, you got, these plus tires are coming out. We got to make a bike, make it happen. Mm. They don't wait. They're not waiting for the market to be there. They're making the market, you know? So it's totally different than it used to be that way. Yeah. And then gravel bikes are part of that. I got caught up into that, you know, uh, Raleigh came out with a Tamlin, um, and salsa had the warbird. And then all the other companies were like, hold on, wait a minute. We need this bike too, because we don't want to miss out on it. So boom, two years later everybody's got it you know and they're coming out left and right again this year so
0: and now salsa basically dropped the hammer on all that genre right so now they're making them you know they're they're trying to make the market in that you know off-road adventure touring gravel type of situation you know i so arguably they've been doing it for years. i know but i mean that the it seems like this year with kind of all their models right they it mm-hmm. just seems to me like this is like okay we're we're finally making like this is yeah you know yeah i mean, I mean they, obviously they came up adventure by bike was you know the the real start that just yeah. like, killed it you know
1: yeah they are, they were on the forefront of that movement but yeah i mean they've pretty much weeded their line down to you know, it's either bike packing bikes, fat bikes, or gravel bikes. You know, that's pretty much all they got, and, and touring, road touring. So, yep,
0: so but they've made their name on that. So I have you talking about this and giving your thoughts. What do, you, what do you see the situation being in a couple of years, or three years, or four years? Is it, And we're just going to be looking at, like, double the amount of gravel, all-road type of bikes? And are more people, are we going to grow, like, double what we are now in terms of, number of riders like what's the future look like for this well i i i think the 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 companies are missing it
1: in a way because Mm -hmm. in the rush to get a bike out they've forgotten why the bike should exist in the first place Mm -hmm. steve had had it right all along you know and people like him had it right it's fun to ride in places that are peaceful and not full of cars and where you see things you won't see unless you actually go to these roads and see them. So it's it's about, you know, here we go again with the word adventure. It's about adventure. It's about fun. It's about being safe because you're not riding alongside cars that are going 75 miles an hour. Uh, you're not getting stuff thrown at you out the window or epithets thrown at you, you know, verbally. Um, hey, Lance yeah right you know are you training for reg Brian? Yeah. <laughs> um so you know you're getting away from all the hustle and bustle of of our lives you're getting away from facebook you're getting away from twitter you're getting away from all these things and um if if the industry can figure out how to package that message with the bike like salsa kind of is trying to do um then it'll last but if they don't Figure that out. It's gonna be a flash in the pan, and five years from now they'll move on to something else, whatever it is. And the the next latest, greatest thing. What is next? So, I you know, I didn't think plus bikes would be a thing, <laughs> but it is so bike packing. How many people are actually
0: gonna bike pack? Really? Uh, so uh, yeah. I got my own thoughts on that one. <laughs> it's it's like any I uh, oh, might as well. It's like yeah. anything else, right? I mean, you have twenty percent the twenty eighty rule. Yeah. Twenty percent do eighty percent of the activity. Mm-hmm. And I just feel this is purely anecdotal <laughs> and from what I observe and what I read and hear and yada yada yada, is people are just getting all the stuff and it's like 20% of the people are just out there, just they're tearing apart their stuff and using it and blowing through it and experiencing it and all that stuff. And then the other part is just like, man, it was a great idea. I went and done it, did it a couple of times. I wish I could do it more. I wish mm-hmm. I could do that. I wish I could go do that. Mm-hmm. I wish I could do every. It's constant. It's like, I wish I could do that. I wish I had more. Mm-hmm. It must be nice to be able to do that, you know, go out for yep. three days. It's like. I've, I've heard that before. I, I, like, I keep saying other stuff. I got into bull uh, shooting a bull and going I do some bull hunting and stuff and it's like, I, I get into that and I start reading things and I start observing the same way I did, you know, I did with, with cycling and I see the same thing. It's like, Oh, I wish I could go do that. I wish I could go do that trip. And I, you know, it's like, well, right out your back door, you could probably find something and yeah. You yep. could, if yep. you really wanted yep. to, you could go for two nights and whatever, but you just yep. don't, it doesn't end up getting done at the end of the day. And I right. don't see right. it as a sustainable thing in a large group of people because in a large group of people, it's not reasonable to use that stuff enough times during the year to necessitate an entire bike, packs, everything that goes with it, whatever. Even if you get cheap stuff, you're looking at a couple grand to do something that you just don't do a lot. And well, I don't you- see that as being sustainable. Now, you touched on
1: something, Ben, that I think is critical here. You said that uh, people can't go out their back door and do these things. And not the way the industry promotes it. You're right. You can't. You know, what what do they show? Oh, Santa Cruz had a mountain bike demo in Chile. Who's going to go there and ride a bike? (laughs) Seriously, yeah. or so and so did this bike packing adventure in uh, the Sierra Leone. I can't go there, you know. I mean, that's, that's or it's way beyond the the scope of the normal person. So the the bike industry quite literally has their head up their butt when it comes to stuff like this because the average person can't do that. Yeah. What can the average person do? Well, I wrote. You know, you can say this about gravel bikes too. The eighty twenty thing probably applies that who has gravel roads around them like we do right not, not not everybody does so okay let me address that i on my blog here not too long ago guitar ted productions i wrote a piece called uh i forget what it was hunting for alleys or something. i forget what it was but it was anyway what i did was i, I went out and i rode alleys in my in my town right right out my back door we've we've
0: probably got like 50 miles of alleys in this okay. city it's funny, some, some cities like are just built on the whole alley situation and some just have zero. Right. It doesn't seem to be a, a midway on alleys for some reason. So our town's built on alleys.
1: So I went out and rode all these alleys. It was awesome, you know? And I saw things I would never see, saw people, you know, said hi to them, you know, and, and cruised the alleys with my, and I do it with my boy. That's one of our favorite rides to do is so we just go cruise alleys. And, you know, you can have an. Uh, oh, I called Do it you the, have the new alley cruiser bike. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I think I called it something about
0: uh, the crumbling infrastructure ride. That's what oh, I called it. Oh, I, I yep. saw that and I didn't read it because it was last week during. I was yep. totally checking out on vacation, yep. basically. So that was the
1: name of the post crumbling infrastructure ride. So you, you go out and you poke around your town. It doesn't have to be alleys, it could be like that industrial complex that you see off the the sixth lane that you've never, you've always wondered what the heck's going on, but ride your bike over there and find out. It's an adventure, right? You know, who knows what's going to happen? Um, I mean, people don't have to go to Timbuktu to have this epic, you know, backdrop of scenery or the Himalayas or whatever. You can have a crazy, weird adventure in your own town. You know, you just have to go poke around. And, find. and that's what bi- having a bike was all about when I was a kid. Yeah. What's on the other side of town? I don't know. Well, let's ride our bikes over and find out. It was an adventure, you know. And why, who says I can't do that when I'm in my fifties? You know, who says you can't do that? I mean, that you're just holding yourself back is what you're doing. So, if the bike industry would get a hold of that idea, then you could ride this gravel road bike anywhere, right? And you could use it as your commuter. You could use it as your grocery getter. You could use it as your everything bike. And if they could make that the message instead of oh. Dirty cans that ride 200 miles. Who's going to do that? I mean, how many people are seriously going to go do that? Not very many. That's the 80 20 thing right there, you know? I mean, dirty cans is awesome, don't get me wrong, but there's not that many people who are going to buy a gravel
0: bike and go do that. Mm -hmm. It's like Tour Divide. I mean, that's a great example is Tour Divide. Exactly. It's really popular in terms of watching it on track leaders and like, you know, maybe checking out their bikes and maybe reading a little bit about, you know, somebody. But beyond that, I mean, what? How many people started this year? I don't even know. A hundred people, let's say, during the grand part, right? Yeah. Really? Like yeah. a lot of people just check out because they're like, "There's no way in hell I'm ever going to even do that." Right? Like right. it's cool. It's it's fantastic. You know, like Chris Plesco, I know him personally. Yeah, he's an awesome a single guy. Single speed. Yeah. He's a really nice yep. guy. Great dad, and just you know coaches basketball, like does stuff with kids and all that stuff. So I know him personally. I know he's a really good guy. And I had vested interest in like cheering. You know, I was like, oh, Oh, yes, wake up in the morning, like awesome, you know? Yeah. But beyond that, I mean, an average person can barely even – it's a big deal to take off a few – yeah, or to take off a few days of work, you know? Right. (laughs) So, But
1: but Ben, listen, let's say you do – you take that same bike and that same frame pack thing and say, hey, you could go, uh, you can stuff about uh, half a week's worth of groceries in that thing and use it like, you know, like a commuter bike. Yeah. Right? Or you can go on a ride where you think it might rain, throw all your rain gear in your frame mm-hmm. pack. You know what yeah. I mean? If, but that's a practical thing that people can do. And they can go, oh. Yeah, that frame pack idea, that's a neat idea. And then I don't have panniers bouncing off the side of my bike or maybe you like panniers. I don't know. But, you know, the point is, is that the industry seems to focus on all these huge adventures and these huge epic backdrops and the the great big grand things. And it just excludes 80% of the people because 80% of people are never going to be able to do that. And so they're like, that bike's not for me. They just write it off. And that's, that's where I think the industry's got it wrong. They, don't, they need to bring it down to the average person. What's the average person doing with their bike, you know?
0: So, so, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I think, I didn't really want to hit on the salsa REI thing, but the more we talk about it, the more, like, that makes sense, right? Because that's reaching the crowd that probably is, like, that's what, it brings it to a new group of people that was like, you know, that was in the bike shop, and that's not really what I do, you know. Mm-hmm. Like this brings it to the 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 crowd that's like, oh, you know, the REI carry. It, this is bad because I I just don't. I'm not that kind of customer. But it's like, oh, I I didn't realize these bikes were for this. Maybe I'll check them out, right? You know, and that gets you a new user that never yep. would have thought, hey, this isn't might be for me for what I do, You're right?
1: right cuz bike shops are intimidating to walk into i mean let's yeah, face if it if you're
0: not into bike shops i mean you're yeah. not into it it's like me walking into an archery shop i don't want to do it i want to learn how to do it myself right and i want to learn how to make my own arrow you know and tune my bow because i it's intim- like i it's just a pain in the ass honestly i don't want to go do it you yeah. know i yeah. wanna learn right um, like i'd rather go to i'd rather go to a big box store and buy my
1: fishing lures than go to hanks local <laughs> bait shop right, because right. all the guys hanging out there are "Quote unquote real fishermen that right. think I'm some kind of some dork," you know? that's like,
0: yeah."
1: <laughs> and I'm sure that's how people feel when they walk into a bike shop. Well, even more. yeah, I'm not gonna, yeah, you know, I'm not gonna go in there because you know I'm just a dork that doesn't know anything about bikes.
0: So, right. so right, so I, I yeah, you know. So there I you go, free free yeah. consultation for the industry. Just ask Guitar Ted and Ben anything yeah. you want. <laughs> it's just I, I get that. I, I've I recognized that a while back when I you know yeah. I try to promote things and you have somebody that does like this huge epic thing, right? Versus somebody that like, I don't know, take a normal person that did a had a really good, I don't know, let's use Leadville example because that's this weekend. You know, you take the normal person and goes and just finishes Leadville and they're like a pretty popular person, fun to be around, whatever. Mm -hmm. And they just have a big, they're at all cycling events and they just go and finish Leadville. Like that gets a hundred times more attention than like... Jeremiah Bishop going and winning it or yeah. going and cause I, he was first the mind cause he just did a really cool video on bike rumor, but they're a, a good post. Um, But it gets more attention cause people realize that they're never going to be Jeremiah Bishop and they're never yeah. have a chance in hell to win. So you right. tune, there's like this hump where it goes from like really interesting to completely tuning out. Right. Right. Yeah, cause you realize so, that you're just never going to be there. Well, that's
1: that's why I do these things called the geezer rides. I don't know if you've paid attention yeah. any of those I do. So, well, you know, to I people. yeah, I do the, I do the Trans Iowa, obviously huge, crazy event, three hundred and thirty miles. You got to do it in thirty four hours. Who's going to do that? You know, how many people are actually going to do that? Not very many. So I said, I'm not going to get new people interested in gravel road riding through Trans Iowa. They're already interested in it when they come. You know, they've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. So. How do I get new people introduced to it? Well, it's got to be, you know, more on their level, doable thing. So I created this thing called the Geezer Ride, which they're a 40-mile-long uh, ride, which is doable by most people who can ride a bike. And we go at whatever the slowest person's pace is. And I think we did one the, one of the first ones I did. We had a lady show up. This is no joke. She was 57 years old, Okay. She just had started, we did the ride in October. She had just started riding a bike, period, in her life for the first time the April before, okay? She had a specialized hard rock, 26-inch wheeled mountain bike with the ends pointed straight up in the air and the big wide saddle, you know, the typical starting cyclist kind of thing. And so she showed up and she was like, oh, you guys just go ahead. You know, I'm going to be way behind you and I'm going to be holding you up. And she was like the whole, you know, coming into the bike shop kind of idea where she felt really inadequate. I said, no, 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 you don't get it. We're going to we're all going to ride together. And we did. And she finished that 40 mile ride. And I'll tell you what, man, that, that was probably one of my favorite times uh, around cyclists in my whole life because she was just beaming that she'd done this ride. She didn't believe she could do it. And so that to me, uh is like like you said, it that meant more to me than Greg Gleason killing Trans Iowa in almost 24 hours or less or Walter Zitz, you know. Right. I mean that's amazing in itself and I, I like those two guys and they're awesome guys. But that gal right there was like that's one of my highlights of my gravel road riding affiliation if you want to put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean th- that's why I do stuff like that because you know there there needs to be more of that kind of thing. And I'm 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 trying my best to to bring that about, but we'll have another geezer ride coming up this fall actually. And uh so, you know, the industry just doesn't cater to that. It just doesn't. And I think that's a huge mistake. I really do. So, anyway,
0: I that's think that's take. missing out a lot. Yeah, I, I just mean uh, industry-wise because I keep going to the back to the archery thing. Just because I I've I've gone from the beginning of that, like knowing nothing, and getting involved, and just kind of observing that industry. And it's the same thing, right? You have mm-hmm. you can watch all the shows and read magazines and uh, forums and other people's blogs and all this stuff and websites. The you know you go to uh, I can't think of uh, one offhand, hand, but let's say Hoyt or Matthews makes bows, right? Mm-hmm. Their website and in the background is like this huge mountain with somebody out like dragging a, you know, uh, this big backpack and they're out camping, doing their fancy like coffee with the mountains in the background, all this stuff, right? Like this big adventure. Yeah. And um, it just does not speak to like the average person. Who's doing right. all the, you know, if you look at riding gravel or I'm have a little bit more history with mountain bike radio and more intimate, uh, just contact emails and questions and people write emails with a story about how they started listening to mountain bike radio, like they connected, how they connected. So I get this whole picture of these people and you're not going to get, you know, the 45 year old, uh, I usually get it from like, the, you know, the 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 listener would be a 45 year old guy who has uh a wife and three kids and like they're all involved or he and his wife do a lot of riding and they kind of swap kids. Like I get that a lot, you know, want to watch yeah. each other. They go ride. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, but guy always sends me the email. It's never the female. Cause she's probably off picking up the slack for the guy, honestly, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, just oh, the way yeah. it is sometimes. But, um, but anyhow, so that, that guy is just not, he's not the guy that's going to be out in the mountains hunting, at least right. not routinely, not something to do every right. week. He's not going to be out doing these huge rides across the country. You know, sure. Rebecca's private Idaho is fantastic, but that person's probably going to do that race once every five years. If you're lucky. Yeah. Right. They're yep. going go to go the geezer ride probably every time you have it. Yep. So yeah. So it, it seems and like I that think across it's okay. these different.
1: And let's and let's not let's not get too one-sided. I think it's okay to aspire to those things. Yeah. If cuz you, maybe you will get to do it. I am yes. not I, I'm not around to hold anybody back, yeah. but or to tell the industry that that's 100% wrong because it's not. It's okay to aspire to those things. Yeah. And maybe those things inspire you, but there the whole other side of it's lacking. We're not getting that other side of the message that I think is is very important yeah. is the is that you can have this adventure in your own backyard. Yeah. You know, and it can look completely different than what what Tour Divide looks like or what Trans Iowa looks like, you know? Yeah. So, so I listeners, I just think it's missing.
0: Yeah, so listeners, I can offer you this. So, as part of I I if you're not quite sure by now, I do <laughs> I'm behind Mountain Bike Radio. Um, but I can tell you from the emails, the comments and all the feedback that I get that most of you listening Everybody else out there is like you, and everybody yeah. that you see like doing those big events or doing the huge things like those are outliers and if you don't focus on yourself first and do what you can with what you have at the moment and make the best out of it and try to be like those people doing those big events and aspire to that and that's all you focus on you're not gonna have a good time and you're not gonna let it's you're not gonna have the overall longer term experience that they did getting there because those people doing that, that the things that you're aspiring to, those people have been doing that for a long time and they've gone through the process, the whole process, they've gotten junky parts and, They've learned that uh, certain tires don't work from slicing them in certain conditions and going through the just pain in the ass of, you know, changing it when it's raining because they did this. That whole process, like they went through that and it got to that point through experience. And that experience is exactly what this is all about. So yeah. it's okay to aspire to those things, but just understand you can't just go buy a new bike and then go do dirty cans the next year and like check that off the list and expect that to be to, to walk away fully satisfied and in enjoy that entire experience. There's a lot of people out there that don't have the time to do two hour rides every day that go out yep. there and do half an hour every couple of days cuz it's all they have. It's like it's not an all or nothing thing. And from the all the feedback that I get all the time constantly is it's like the same thing, and I just want all of you to know that, it, like everybody's in pretty much the same situation. Some people make something out of it, and some people just say, "Well, I can't do what that one percent that you're aspiring to can do, so I'm just not going to do it." Like, just do do what you can with what you have, and don't get lured into those big advertisements. Yeah.
1: All those little rides and those experiences that you can have, that that's valuable stuff.
0: It It's, it's the cool. most valuable stuff. Yeah. Because without yep. all those, you'll never be in the position to do that one thing or two things that you aspire to. Yeah. You'll never learn. You'll never learn. Yep. And you'll be on to the next thing trying to check the next box, and you will never yep. be satisfied. Yeah. Man, so. I'm just going off on this stuff. <laughs> because yeah. it, it like you said i i totally agree it's great to aspire to this and it's great it, i mean part of the marketing is to make you want to aspire to a certain thing to a certain yes. level or event right. or their product you know make their product seem right. like the cool right i get it yeah um but i just don't it it's so easy to lose sight of that process of of doing it and I, i've had conversations this goes to um mountain bike radio we have a for members, we have a private Slack group, so we have discussions over there and all this stuff. And we are discussing training and nutrition, and some of the people are new. Like, they've only been doing this a few years, and they're like, well, I'll try this plan and this training plan and this nutrition plan and what works for you. And And I started really reflecting on what's worked for me and what hasn't. And, you know, I can offer up advice, but it doesn't mean squat to you or the yeah. next person. Yeah. But I've been doing, I've been training every year for something, whether it's high school sports. I wrestled, played baseball, ran. Um, after high school, I, I seriously lifted weights for a few years. I did marathons, triathlons of every distance, mountain bike of every distance. And uh, every year I've been, that can think of actively training for something since I was 12. That's 25 years of. Being in pretty good shape all the time, right? So I got got in this discussion with a couple of people, a couple of members, and uh, some hosts, and you know, I said, like, you can pick up training peaks and read their blog, and they'll tell you to do one thing, and you can read, you know, higher nutritionist, higher coach, whatever, they'll help you get to a certain point, but there is nothing more valuable and satisfying of all those little processes along the way that you focus on yourself yeah focus on yourself don't let somebody else tell you what what you should be doing yeah it just doesn't work that way it does if you're in it for a short term you know okay this is done what's next yeah you'll never you'll never be consistent and do something for a long time if if that's not your focus it's about, the ju- it's about the journey, not the destination. It's really, you know, it's so, it's so cliche, but it, it. I'm getting older, and with kids, I'll, I'll and send I'm you that. I'll send you a things. plaque
1: that says yeah. that for Christmas. I'll send you that plaque that says that for Christmas. Yeah,
0: there you go. <laughs> it truly, it, it, it really is. And it it goes is back true, to though. The, the point of like how? So then, how the, the question is? We don't have to discuss this on this one, but. Uh The question becomes how do you market your brand to be cool if it's just the average dude like yeah. I, you don't wanna see my life of like you know cooking food for my kids and doing the dishes and then going for half an hour ride and like doing you you don't care about that right I mean, how do you brand it and sell your product and you know be the the flashy light in the dark to get people to come to your stuff
1: yeah that's that's the. That?
0: That's a sixty four
1: thousand dollar question right yeah. there. Yeah, I'm not a marketer. I don't know. I just know what I see.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely not a marketer either. Yeah, just kind yeah. of do what I need to. Yeah. So, if anybody has an answer to that and they are a professional marketer, you can feel free to send us an email. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, so that's good. Yeah, good stuff getting pretty good stuff. heavy on
1: that. About as thick yeah. as the air right now. But next, next time we have a writing gravel radio ranch, we'll just have to like talk about beer or something. I know. I mean, <laughs> get a guess. Maybe we should get a guest. Yeah, we probably should get a guest next time. Yeah. So if you want to be a guest on writing gravel radio ranch, get a hold of us. Yeah. We'll
0: and there was somebody, uh, who was it that wanted to get on a long time ago and we just never did. I don't know. I'll check my email, see if we can get somebody on. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you want to get on and talk about it, we'll, we'll conjure up some ideas as well. Um, yep. Or you can yeah. just listen to us talk about marketing. Yeah, hey. exactly.
1: Or <laughs> <laughs> like if, if you're really tired of this, give,
0: give us some ideas for a guest. Yeah. <laughs> our next our next episode in marketing hacks. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I want we'll wrap this up. And I just want to thank or think or think. I want to thank uh Pig Trail Gravel Grinder again for supporting riding gravel because it's fantastic to have some support. Pays the bills, allows us to keep going. And honestly, most importantly, it provides Guitar Ted and me some much needed motivation to keep it going. It keeps us sto- like it greases the wheel for us because it keeps us stoked on what we're doing. Because yep. if we just keep doing it and then we have to fork out money for the site and all the stuff to out of our pockets. It's cool and everything, but at the end of the day. Like we also like to buy some parts here and there too. So, yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we really appreciate it. So definitely head over to pig trail gravel and on the show page, there'll be a big banner. Just click on that. It'll take you over there. So thank you to them uh, for sponsoring the podcast and the website. Again, that is September 9th through the 11th. So that weekend down in Arkansas. Check it out. Go get signed up. Tell them. If nothing else, just tell them that uh, you heard about it on the show and you appreciate it, and I think they will too. That's it. Right Tartat, is there anything else you want to get in there before we finish this up? I was just wondering
1: how the big cicada is doing in the garage.
0: Uh, he is now crawled to the top, you know, when you open the garage door. Uh-huh. He crawled up on the top and is now banging on it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was kind of worried that you could hear that before, but I'm pretty sure you can't because he's in the, the garage. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, he's gone and making noise up on the garage door now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so in case any, any listeners are wondering as well, he's uh, he's up yeah. there. Well, thanks so, for the update. That's good. Yes. That's good. <laughs> All right, listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, we look forward to doing the next episode. We hope you enjoy this one. And reminder, head over to ridinggravel.com, forum, events, uh, tire listing, everything you could ever want to know over there so that's it so thank you for listening and that'll do it for another episode of the riding gravel radio ranch